Here's a news flash. Surprise, surprise. Well, look at you. The whole world is watching for my next move. Oh my God. Times have changed. There are no rules. You're going to love it. Hi, and welcome to Skip Intro, the podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. Each week, we're here to discuss the biggest news shows on Binge, but this week, we're doing something a little bit different. My name is John Bowen, here with Ali Herbert Burns, and together, we look after all the great TV and movies that you see on Binge. Ali, this podcast is like almost a year old now, so we're old enough to have traditions. One of our very first episodes was the shows that got us through 2021, which just feels like centuries ago, (laughs) but it is our second annual Shows That Got Us Through episode. So we're not going to be talking about anything brand new, although I'm not sure what Ali's talking about, so maybe. Ali and I have both chosen five of, I guess, our favorite shows or shows that meant a lot to us this year, not necessarily, you know, the biggest, shiniest shows. And yeah, we're going to just bounce off our recommendations to each other. So yeah, have I explained this right, Ali? (laughs) I think you've done a really good job. Well, kind of like not quite one yet, but happy birthday to us. And we're basically coming up with a format that suits us to celebrate <laughs> 50 episodes. Yeah. And I think um, if you'd listen to this every week for 50 weeks, and we know there are some listeners out there that have, so firstly, thanks, guys. Gosh, you would have a long list of cool shows that you could have got through the year yourself. Like even if we went back and audited yeah. you know, all the shows we've talked about over the last 50 episodes. We have talked about hundreds of shows. <laughs> I mean, we should probably put that whole list together and publish it somewhere, shouldn't yeah. we, John? Because, yeah, it's a pretty good checklist just to get going in a year of television and film. So getting to five has been really, really hard. But I think it just it's, it's why we've made this podcast. We're just passionate and love the shows and movies that we've got on Binge. There's too many to talk about every week. We put them up in the carousel. We hope you find them, but there's just so much depth and quality there for you to watch. So, yeah, it's just quite joyous to have an episode where we can really just go through the best of what's been a brilliant year in television and especially on Binge. So I think we should get stuck into it. Cool. Well, just very quickly, speaking of carousels and things on Binge, we also did a little survey of the Binge staff over the last week. So if you open up Binge over the coming weeks, one of the carousels you'll see is our favourites of 2022. And that is very much uh, the favourite shows of the staff at Binge. So um, I'm sure there'll be some crossovers with things we discussed today. But yeah, that's just another little recommendation for you to check out. Before we jump in, I did go and check out last year's episode, Ali. Ah, what, what wise things did we say? Well, I'm not sure if there's going to be any double ups or returnings this year, but last year we talked about Vigil, we talked about Mr. In Between, Mayor of Easttown, Industry, The White Lotus, and of course, I managed to talk about Taskmaster. So <laughs> they were our recommendations last year. I think maybe there'll be some returners. Should we get into the shows that got us through 2022? Absolutely. Let's go. Okay, Ali, I'll kick things off. Like you said, it was very hard to whittle this down to five, but this was an early favourite in the year and it has stuck with me and I've rewatched it. You can take the boy out of the BBC, but you can't take the BBC out of the boy. You did work at BBC. Yes. Programming the BBC channels on Foxtel for many, many years. And that was before you got into Esford, wasn't it? So you do have a, yeah. It's definitely rubbed off. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But one of the shows that got me through 2022 was This Is Going To Hurt. This is Obzangaini. You're generally sailing the ship alone. The ship that's massive and on fire and no one's had the time to teach you how to sail. It's literally life or death, yeah. 
based on Adam Kay's memoir of the same name and starring Ben Wishaw. It's about a group of junior NHS doctors working in an OBGYN board. And it is funny and sad and tragic. And yeah, it's like no other sort of medical drama I've seen before. It's certainly sort of nothing like a a New Amsterdam or or Grey's Anatomy in terms of of soapiness. It gives you an appreciation of what it is to be a doctor, a world Mm. that's completely foreign to me. Yeah, it was a really powerful series, but also really funny and touching. Yeah, just a, a single sort of standalone series. But yeah, it's really stuck with me this year. Yeah, I think you went out early in the year from memory, John, and you know, and called it early as one of the best shows of the year. And it has stood up. It's based on a true story. It's one person's point of view on their experience as being a junior doctor, like you said, in the NHS. It also taps into this kind of near nostalgia that we've seen where, you know, things are set only 10, like 10 you know, years ago. Yeah, 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 kind of in like the near. It was almost ambiguous when you were watching it and then it was like, oh, that's an iPod <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, 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 which I've really loved as a theme. I mean, we did a, a version of this episode where we talked themes of 2022, but, yeah, there was certainly everything you'd be looking for, isn't there, just in terms of a personal point of view and a way into the world, talking about a hospital system that is, you know, such a big part of England and, you know, almost the social fabric in a democratic society Brilliant performances and, yeah, just a very outstanding series. So highly consumable and and very moving. So, And I think I love how it's disarming because it uses the humour to actually talk about some really serious and heavy themes and reflections on, yeah, almost the state of the hospital system and his state of mind are running in parallel in some ways. But, yeah, very, very, very good series. What a great way to start. Okay. Well, from the wards of an NHS hospital, Ali, what's the show that got you, what's one of the shows that got you through the last year? Yeah, I'm going to jump into somebody somewhere. One time I drove off the road during this crazy blizzard. You don't even want to know the things I had to do to get through. What did you um, take yourself a little cup? A little that cup <laughs> with some wee wee? I gotta drink my wee wee. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Drink my own urine during a I gotta drink, 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 drink my wee wee. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Somebody somewhere is a comedy that comes to us from HBO in America, and when it arrived on the scene earlier in the year. It just hit me in the guts. It's funny, but it's heartfelt. There are a couple of episodes where I had a bit of a, a cry with some of the emotion. And again, I love how they use comedy to deal with quite real issues. Bridget Everett plays the character of Sam. It's loosely based on her life. She's a stand-up comedian that will be familiar to lots of you, no doubt. But she goes back to the town she grew up in, Kansas, to care for her sick sister who ultimately dies of cancer. But in doing so, Um, kind of reuniting with the life she left in this small town many years ago. She kind of finds a way back to herself, but it's just done in the most charming and disarming way. And Somebody Somewhere is the kind of show I recommend to people when they need to pick me up or just want to, you know, escape on the couch to something moving but light and uplifting in one. So it's definitely one of my most recommended shows of the year. What did you think of it, John? Yeah, I loved it. It's really original, I thought. And I remember when it was first getting talked about, I guess in like 2020 now, it was hard to understand the tone or quite where it was going to go. But then as soon as you see it, you just are in this world and you're with these people. And yeah, you've done an excellent job selling it. And if you haven't seen it, 
people, please check it out. It's only seven and a half hours. But it is excitedly coming back for a second season. So that's something for us to look forward to next year. Yay. That will literally be when we get the date for that. That'll be going straight in the calendar. Something to look forward to next year. Well, speaking of shows that are coming back next year, <laughs> best segue that I could do. The next show on my list, again, might not be a surprise to longtime listeners, but was a surprise to me because I didn't think I would fall for this show quite as much as I did. And that is Julia. I've had a recurring thought that I'd like to propose to you. An educational cooking show hosted by myself. Feels flimsy to me. This is public television, for God's sake. Shouldn't we go with someone with a more camera-friendly look and a less distinctive sound? No. Butchering a chicken. Nothing to be afraid of. The legs, the wings, the thighs, and the breath. So, for those of you who haven't seen this, this stars Sarah Lancashire as Julia Child, the famed celebrity chef of the 60s. And the first season of the show, like I said, is coming back for season two. The first season of the show is basically about her first season of The French Chef, which was this public broadcasting cooking show in the 1960s, fantastic period drama, but it's also about this birth of television and celebrity. So even if like cooking isn't a huge part of your life or if that's, I think that's a great way in for a lot of people, but even if that's not your thing, it's like, it's almost Mad Men-esque, but about a cooking show in the 60s. So yeah, I love it. It's got an amazing cast outside of Sarah Lancashire. It's like half the cast of Frasier in it. <laughs> and yeah, it's just like, it says a lot about television and celebrity. And it's also just a really fascinating story about a fascinating woman in, in Julia Child. So yeah, it was a surprise for me how much I liked this. And yeah, I'm very excited for season two. I agree with you on this one. Again, it was quite disarming. We watched one, it was charming, and then, but it was really gripping because it really showed, again, the point of view of through this couple um, who were different in the at the time in the 60s. It worked in the diplomatic corps. You know, she was a working woman. They didn't have children and she kind of filled her life with lots of other things, including cooking. And I also loved how it was a slice of life of just one year in what is a very interesting and varied life. You know, Julia Childs has written lots of books and movies being made about her, but I thought it was really cool how they just took a slice of this one year and how not only in that year did it change their life, um, as she became, you know, a television sensation, but it changed the course of television history and, you know, the cooking formats and, and what we now see as normal television fare with cooking shows on on every channel. This was the beginning of it. So, yeah, that inside baseball look of a uh, bit of television history as well. It's really stuck with me and very excited for season two because uh, naively, I don't know that much about Julia Child's career. So this is all just new to me as I watch it. But Ali from 1960s television cooking. Where to next? Well, we're going to go to Princess Bridge in Melbourne as we follow Clara dash across the Yarra River and the look of love to our first binge original, Love Me, which technically premiered on Boxing Day 2021, but it was such a hit of summer um, and really, you know, defined binge in the first month of the year. I think, you know, so heavily watched in January. So I think it can just sneak, sneak into our list. Apparently, if you're single at this age, it's just weirdos and hookups. I just think you're going to meet someone. Small talk. How many kids do you want? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm shit and small talk. Do you actually want to be in a relationship? And it's totally fine if you don't. I do. Then what are you doing? Wanna know what love is. Love Me, of course, is Binge's first original series. 
um, a drama made in Melbourne. It was just such an effort to get it made during COVID. And I was just so happy to see us able to accomplish it and get it out there, but to see that it's, you know, struck a chord with people. And I think the emotions and the family and the elements that were at play, really proud that we we made that series and it was our first original and that it's out there. And luckily, talking about things coming next year, we've just finished shooting on season two and are busily now in the edit suites trying to get it out there as soon as we can for you. So more Love Me coming soon too. You never know how a show is going to resonate. And yeah, the the feedback, not only just the viewing numbers, but also just like anecdotally and the reviews and all those logies that it won. Yeah, I think it's safe to call 2022 the, the Love Me year. Well, from a beautiful family love story to a show that I don't even know how to describe still, having now watched it twice, is the rehearsal. This conversation's going pretty well. Yes. So that's no accident. Everything that's happened today, <laughs> I've rehearsed it hey, hi, Nathan. Hi. dozens of times uh, in a replica of your home. This is what we can do for you, you and you. You know, just off the top of my head, I would say, sure, let's go with it. This is going to be fun. Oh, the rehearsal. Good one. Nathan Fielder, tell us why it's one of your must-watches, John. It's hard to describe, but I think it's one of the just most ambitious things I've seen this year. Like, it's a show that, like, actually stopped me in my tracks once I figured out what was happening. And that's always exciting to see people really Mm -hmm. try something new and different and bold. Um, So, for people who- And it could have got panned, couldn't it? And It it could have gone anyway. And the ambition was, it was a bit of a- puzzle for people to work out but it, yeah it really it did land in the way that you said in terms of it, it it changed the game so nathan fielder is a rather awkward comedian i feel like i'm allowed to say that as a fellow awkward man and he's probably best known for a series called nathan for you where he would go in and try to like strangely um improve small businesses and it, they always kind of derailed and they were a bit funny and weird and ambitious and the rehearsal is kind of doing that for, for people's lives so nathan fielder enters people's lives and gives them the opportunity to rehearse moments in their lives. You know, the first episode is kind of relatively small stakes. It's about this man who just wants to have a conversation with a colleague about a sort of white lie he's been telling. But the the nature of the rehearsal involves them like recreating an entire bar and hiring a trivia host to ask specific questions and giving this man all the different possible ways that this situation can go. And I think that's something that we all think about. We've all had moments in life that we we're anxious about or, you know, that we wish we knew how they were going to go. And this show is trying to literally give people that experience. What I will say is the first episode is relatively self-contained and is fascinating and really interesting, but I think people may have watched that and thought, oh, this show is a bit odd, but okay. Um, All I would say is please stick through to the second episode because as with a lot of things Nathan Fielder does, it kind of goes off in a crazy direction and the stakes get higher and crazier. And there's kind of this arc that starts in this in the second episode that gets you through the rest of the season. And yeah, it's just, it's like the Truman Show meets Kitchen Nightmares meets <laughs> Nathan For You. And it was one of those shows where you were just watching it being like, I've never seen anything like this before. And that's rare. And excitedly, it is coming back for a second season. And At this point, it's like you just don't even know where it could possibly go, which is also what's so exciting about season two. I just think what's so interesting about it is ultimately in a world where you don't get dress rehearsals, he is trying to create something that's impossible to always deliver on and and almost the personal growth he has in trying to control situations and to de-risk them is almost the journey he goes on as he makes it, isn't it? So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in season two. Great pick. Okay, where are we heading next, Ali? 
Well, we're going to London. Um, oh. And this is this was on last year's list. I think it was on both of our lists last year. And that is industry. But this year I'm talking about season two, which took it to another level for me. You wanted to see me? Many years ago, my mentor got me this. And made up something about how many pockets it's seen in real estate deals, divorces, insolvencies, declarations of war. Welcome back. When he handed it to me, he said, choose your own adventure. So when I get asked about industry, I say it is, and I know we shouldn't really explain shows by using other shows to explain them, but it's the fastest way to explain industry in my mind, which is euphoria meets succession. So it's young, ambitious people working in the banking system in England, but that is kind of where the finance nature of it stops. It is not, you know, a deep dive look into banking. That's just the framework for the workplace that these very compelling, interesting ensemble of characters are living out their early work years and those kind of formative early years in your 20 of working out who the hell you are, what you want to be and what you want to be about. And they're doing that through the view of a very competitive investment banking situation. But there's a lot of sex, there's a lot of heart, there's a lot of learning and just some really great insight into, for me, the motivations on life and, you know, them working out kind of pretty early what it is or could be for them all as they kind of then start getting taken out in different directions. The first season created a very clear world of who who's in this bank and who are these this group of colleagues that are moving through this experience. They all kind of start as interns in season one. And then at the end of that first year, they go through a really rigorous recruitment process to see who kind of lands a permanent job. Season two starts with them in those new jobs, but it just ups the ante even more as the pressure and the loyalties and, and the kind of the back channels that happen in their career journeys. I looked forward to industry every week. It dropped weekly. Um, if you haven't watched it, you've now got 20 episodes across two seasons to get stuck into. But there was one episode with a great kind of remix of, a, of an 80s song. There's a Robert Palmer song coming through as this guy like speeds through the London streets on his motorbike. And there was just this yearn for me of like that feeling when you were younger, when you just felt like everything was ahead of you and there was potential and choice ahead. And um, yeah, it did a really good job at kind of taking me back to that feeling of of um, remembering what it was like when you're at that stage in your life. Really recommend great blend of young cast, unknown faces. Season two had some really familiar faces join the cast as well and um, couldn't recommend, can't recommend industry enough. It's such a such a compelling show. It is like, you know, there are shows that you can sometimes let like go a day if you're missing an episode or something, but this was a show that I had to watch the second it came out. And like you said, besides a great cast and obviously great writers and creators, the show just also has amazing music, which I think I've spoken about before, but like go and find the industry playlists um, because there are there are some great, great tracks in there as well. Awesome. Well, from London, we're heading to Sicily, Ali, because <laughs> uh, I just need another chance to talk about the white lotus. Flirting is one of the pleasures of life. You're 80 years old, but the women I desire remain young. You can relate to that. I just wanted to inform you that my good friends here, they're going to be visiting me this week, coming and going. They come and go. See you later. Bye. I see. The first season was one of the shows that got us through 2021, and it is a show that has absolutely helped get me to the end of 2022. Season one was so 
interesting and you didn't know what it was, where it was going or what the tone quite was, but it all just came together beautifully. And then when they said they were making a season two, you were like, oh, like, can they recapture the magic? And like, yes, they can, is the answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the format that they've come up with for the show. And I know like formats maybe the wrong word, but this the, like the tone and the setting and the concept of the show. I just think season two has proven how strong a concept it is because yeah, it's up the ante. It's again, these sort of beautiful but terrible people in a in a beautiful location and you know a group of sort of guests who are spending a week in a in a hotel the hotel's the white lotus season one was in hawaii season two's in sicily jennifer coolidge was in season one and two she was kind of the only character that returned otherwise it's a whole new cast season two includes aubrey plaza and theo james and i didn't think it could be as great as season one and i would argue that it's even better than season one so yeah uh, season two of White Lotus absolutely helped get me through 2022. And as we keep saying, um, with a lot of the shows we're talking about, it's been renewed for season three. Who knows, who knows what White Lotus they will visit next? Maybe Sydney, maybe Canberra, anything's possible. Canberra. You don't even need to get Canberra plugged, John. Yeah, the, the <laughs> Can you White imagine Lotus. the White Lotus in Canberra? Uh, look, I think um, you are not alone in having this a show that's got you through 2022. If social feeds and dinner party banter or anything to go by, this show is just caught fire. Uh, we saw the same thing with season one in terms of people discovering it as the season came on, but definitely season two is just is just grown again, hasn't it? And each, each week, I think episode five, there was a massive kind of cliffhanger and it got everyone talking and it, it only builds more towards the end. So, um, but I, what I loved about this is when you go on holidays, different locations give you a different kind of holiday vibe. Sometimes you want to lean back and be chilled and sometimes you're romantic and sometimes you're up for sightseeing and what I think has been so cool about it going to Sicily is it feels so different to Hawaii and it's a different kind of holiday and the way it's then collided the same brilliant writing and kind of viewpoint of wealthy privileged people having a wonderful holiday and experience but somehow I feel like they're less awful the guests this time so you just have a little bit more empathy for them. I know they're pretty. Yeah, they're not. Quite, they're not quite as biting as season one, but it's yeah. kind of in a different way. Yeah, and then the mix of Europe and the heat and the sexiness and the kind of there are elements where you feel like you're kind of getting that same holiday experience and feeling. I think I said in the podcast when we talked about earlier in the year, like you could almost hear the beep beep of the vespers, and that was like almost like there was a sound of the street that kind of comes through in the show that makes you feel kind of like you're there. But there was a a few lines, there's one line in the middle of the season where this girl's looking out at this stunning view and she's like, is this all there is? Like what actually ever makes you feel anything anymore? Like who's had an experience? What is unique? And I think this show is um, a pretty clever way of holding up a mirror to society as well. It's not just a just a bitingly good dark comedy, is it? It's, it's very, very clever television. We will no doubt continue to talk about The White Lotus. But, Ali, where to next? Okay, I've got three left on my list and I think I've only got two slots on my list. So this is okay. like Sophie's choices. Okay, I have to talk about Euphoria. I came up with an amazing plan. And what would that be, Ru? So are you all ready to do some business? Why can't I shake the feeling that there's something you're not telling me? You're like a relationship kind of girl, right? You guys can all judge me if you want, but I do not care. I have never, ever been happier. Oh, y'all, let's get naked right now. <laughs> So season two of Euphoria hit us like a freight train on January the 10th and we had 10 awesome weeks of just 
escalating drama and excellence comes through in this second season. I did think it could get better from season one because season one, there was a lot about it that was really confronting. But I think what was interesting is this came out in, originally came out in June 2019, got hit by COVID. We had two kind of specials in between season one, season two that kind of limped us through. But it started, season two just started with a bang and the performances, Zendaya, especially in her dancing kind of musical segment in one element, if you could, if you haven't watched Euphoria and there's just so many complex layers to it, but um, in terms of television that creates moments in culture and society that, you know, memes are created and social media, you know, buzz and there were just so many times in this season that Euphoria was just it felt like it was just cutting through every layer of kind of pop culture, wasn't it, in terms of the impact and the talkability. But at its core, a really interesting look at potentially what it's like to be a teenager in modern America and and what that entails, but carried by just, again, exceptional writing, a creative vision that's just carried through every episode, the way it's shot, the point of view, it kind of takes a character as the kind of person's story into that into each episode while the story goes on, but moments that made you cry. And a couple of times where I stopped, paused the television and was like, that I can't believe what I just saw. I have to watch it again. Like rewind and watch 10 minutes back and just go, wow, that was amazing. So yeah, Euphoria is up there for me. Yeah. There aren't many shows anywhere on any platform that I think cut through the way Euphoria kind of cut through this year. It was just fascinating to see the audience reaction to it, like culture's reaction to it, people discovering it for the first time, people who it already meant so much to them and then waited so long for season two. And how many people found it from 2019 through COVID? It felt like it was one of those shows that a lot of people discovered in lockdown. Yeah. And just the the audience that was waiting for it when it came back, but then the ability to go again and just lift the bar. The episode with the school concert, like just there's so yeah. many brilliant moments in this season. You, I can't even like that's one to go back and watch again. The Oklahoma scene in the bathroom. I mean, there's just so many. Especially for those of us who spend too much time on TikTok. But <laughs> again, excitedly, we're getting a season three. We don't know when. We don't know how long it'll take. These are, are very busy, <laughs> famous people at this point. But yeah, season three of Euphoria hopefully isn't isn't too far away. Well, I know you just said you had to uh, cut one of your lists and I'm going to be very naughty and just very quickly recommend two shows. Oh, um, if you can do it, I can do it. Now go. <laughs> so I'm just doing it because they're, um, we've spoken about a lot of scripted series so far and these are two unscripted, for use of a better word, shows that I think really blew up this year in my life, but also <laughs> I think for binge audiences. And they were The Great British Bake Off, which we now have every single episode of. So you can go back to the very beginning and see the very humble origins of that show. Season one format wise is very similar. The only difference is they kind of move town to town each episode. It's interesting to see just sort of how big and glossy the show's gotten from, from season one. Like I said, we have every episode of every season of The Great British Bake Off. And the other show that again, I kind of felt like I really got into for the first time this year and that excitedly we were able to fast track and again we have every episode of is alone so two quite different sort of reality unscripted series bake-offs more sort of like a warm hug comfort watch where the scariest thing that can happen is like a souffle not not baking um <laughs> and uh alone is a bit more of like an anxious like what does it mean to be human sort of watch um where the worst thing that happens can happen is that like a bear can eat you so very different stakes yeah two unscripted series that I just wanted to shout out because we've got every episode, we've got the latest series, and yeah, they are excellent for a binge. So Alone and The Great British Bake Off are my two final shows that got me through this year. Ali, back to you. Well, I'm going to stick to my five. 
Okay. And I'm going to round out the year with the Binge Original column from Accounts, which we only spoke about last week in last week's podcast because it's only just made the year. It released on December 1st with all eight episodes dropping. But the reason Colin from Accounts is on there is because it's funny. And we wanted to make something that gave you a good chuckle, got you through a big year, but also maybe while you were laughing, delivered a bit of a punch as well of emotion and talking about opening up your heart and getting out of the way yourself a little bit. But it's, yeah, it's just been so lovely to see the response even in the last few weeks since it's launched. Um, that we've had to this show, um, so so much kind of pride of people saying it's great to see a fresh Australian comedy and a, and a rom com. Yeah, just really, yeah, really, really proud that one of our shows, like I said, we've made two this year with Love Me and, and Colin from accounts that are making such a big impact and being so highly watched and viewed and consumed by our wonderful subscribers, which is why we do this stuff and make it. So to know that it's um, kicking goals, yeah. Is, is 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 really pleasing to see. So Colin from Accounts gets my final vote. Oh, my God. I hit a dog. Oh, my God. He's going to survive, though. He's been struck by a car. It's more of a nudge. You're looking at around $12,000. $12,000? It's a dog. To have those 10 shows between us, or 11, with your two unscripted, and we don't even have on the list the 12, the Foxtel original, the 12, um, the exceptional HBO Max, in my opinion, and talk about getting people talking, The Staircase, which came through in May and June, yep, Winning yep. Time, which was so controversial with its take on, you know, the LA Lakers, just so many other shows we could talk about. So I We haven't that- even mentioned House of the Dragon. Oh, like, yeah, just that like, little show. Yeah, oh, my God, sorry. we didn't even talk about that. What are we doing? Yeah, yeah. Or um, We Own This City <laughs> from the makers of The Wire. Like just so many, um, yeah, exceptional shows. So it just really... Yeah, it makes you realise how spoilt we've been in 2022. And if you haven't seen all of these things that we've been talking about, lucky you, you've got some good TV watching ahead of you this summer. And, yeah, as we said, um, all of these shows and even more, including some of the ones Ali just mentioned, um, are front and centre for you at the moment on Binge and the our favourites of 2022 carousel. So hopefully you'll find something there to watch. This week on Skip Intro, we discussed a lot of things, <laughs> including This Is Gonna Hurt, Julia, The Rehearsal, White Lotus, Alone, Great British Bake Off, Somebody Somewhere, Euphoria, Love Me, Colin from Accounts, Industry, I'm sure there was no point in me recapping them because that was too many shows. But like I said, go and check out the carousel on Binge. All of these are streaming for you right now. And as we mentioned, a lot of them are returning for future seasons next year. So jump on board if you haven't already. My name is John Bowen, joined every week by Ali Herbert Burns. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast was produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chris Yates. And we'll be back next week with more Skip Intro. <laughs>